This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Philadelphia from the city of brotherly love. We have a card full of violence headlined by Edson Barbosa taking on Justin Gaethje. We are at the end of a string of 11 fight cards in 11 weeks. Got a week off after this, but I am looking forward to this card. Top to bottom is a pretty solid card that I think the main card especially is great for DraftKings, and we're going to dig into it. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. Joined as always, well, almost always, Chris Chris Olsen is back as always, and Joe Sunsu is returning, gracing us with his presence, the one and only Pooh Bear, as we all know. He's back with us to talk UFC Philadelphia card he's going to, so I'll start with you, Joe. How excited are you to watch this main event? Well, first of all, let's just let's just back up a little and say that you have to admit that if of any card this year to miss, last week was a really good card to miss. I, I mean, cashed I, the hell out of that card. It was I, great for me. I was at I was at a bachelor. I played one lineup. I was at a bachelor party in Vegas, and I watched half the fights on mute on my phone. So that was a great card for me to miss. Um, I am actually going to Philly for this, which is cool. I'm going to be driving down tomorrow. It's about a two-hour drive from where I live. Um, what I like about this card too is it's a 3:30 start, so it'll be it'll be over by 10 o'clock, which is is great. I'm not even going to stay the night. I'm just going to drive home. Um, I am excited for this main event. I think it's a great DraftKings fight. Um, I definitely have a lean, um, a strong lean one way. I've had one since the fight was announced, um, so I'm looking really forward to. Uh, although I do believe that you know you almost have to be close to all in on this fight so anyway we'll, we'll cover that later chris another week i think you me and you we, we we've made every leg of this 11 11 card stretch are you looking forward to a break here i'm i'm looking forward to a little recharge but i'm also looking forward to this card i mean i don't want to look forward to the break too much love the main event obviously but there's some other things you know i, I like the return of sadiq youssef always good to see him coming back, you know, I, I like, uh, I mean, just personally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gerald Mearshart fan. Good to see him on the card. Good to see Ray Borg back. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be uh, excited about on this card. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get to it. All right, before we dig in, guys, a little bit of business to take care of. Podcast is brought to you by Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No 
credit card required from daily fantasy to season long to MLB to NBA to MMA to soccer. They have it all there. Rotowire.com slash free. You can follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Joe is at Sun Tzu. You should like, comment, subscribe to the pod. We record these live on YouTube on Fridays. Fun group and chat. I always got to give those guys a shout out. The crew in there is great. You should join them if you're listening after the fact. Let's break down some fights. First up, Alex Perez, 9,200, taking on Mark De La Rosa at 7,000. Perez is minus 305, as Joe is going to refer to him, the husband of Montana De La Rosa. Mark sure. De La Rosa is plus 275. To me, this comes down to which Perez are we going to get? The Perez who changed the life of Shorty Torres or the Perez who got snuffed out by Joe Benavidez? And it's Mark De La Rosa. I thought he was way better than Joby Sanchez. He struggled last time out, did get a win. So kind of two guys, I don't know exactly which direction they're going. I think the line's a little wide. I do think Perez wins. Joe, do you have Perez or Mr. Montana De La Rosa? Yeah, you, you pretty much summed it up. I mean, it's interesting, too, that De La Rosa and his wife actually fight at the same weight class. Um, that's got to be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I you know I was not overly impressed with the split decision win over Joby Sanchez. Um, I liked his debut, um, Mark De La Rosa. Uh, 24-year-old black belt is pretty impressive in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, however, um, I am going to give Perez the benefit of the doubt here and say that we get the Perez who changed Shorty Torres's life. With that said, um, this is a very interesting slate, and I want all of our, you know, our millions of, of viewers currently in chat um, to, to research long and hard back to the early days of DraftKings DFS MMA and tell me, has there ever been a slate where every fighter priced at nine, that where none of the fighters priced 9K or higher are coming off a win in the UFC? You've got, you've got loss, you've got a draw, and you've got making a debut, but you've got no fighters coming off a UFC win. So this is a really strange card in that respect. Um, Perez is in that group. Um, he's priced really high. Um, you know, I might like him as much as anyone in that range. Um, I'm going to pick him to win here, but I would uh, preach caution. Chris, how about for you? Yeah, um, I guess you could be a little bit cautious, although I'm not really too worried about it. Um, there's a world of difference between Joseph Benavides and a guy like Mark De La Rosa. De La, I mean, they do like to do s some similar things in terms of their fighting style, like De La Rosa is generally a pressure counterfighter, although I think um, Perez is probably going to end up leading the dance here. But um, he can still he, he can still land some counter shots on Perez, and I expect him to. But I think the problem is, is uh, for De La Rosa is he's way more <laughs> flat-footed um, than uh, a guy like Benavides, and I think that um, he doesn't put his, his punches together quite as well either. So I, I think that Perez, you might have, you might have, um, you might have to eat a couple of shots along the way. But I think Perez um, is going to get a lot of joy out of his pressure uh, combination boxing, and um, we we we've seen Del Rosa get hit a lot. We saw him get hit um, with some really hard shots in that Joby Sanchez fight. Joby Sanchez isn't really a isn't really a combination puncher. Kind of harder to um, really get a guy rocked or finished, but. Um, yeah, I, I expect uh, I expect Perez to um, get going here. I also think he's just going to be the way uh, stronger, more physical fighter that's going to help with the wrestling. Um, so yeah, I, I really like Perez here, and um, I I kind of think he gets a finish. 
All right, let's move on to the next fight. We have Sabina Mazo, 8,800, taking on Marina Rose at 7,400. Mazo minus 140, Morose plus 130. Mazo 6-0, has a couple highlight reel head kick knockouts, high prospect Morose. I mean, veteran is what you could say about her at this point. She's she's has not looked good in the UFC. I want to pull up her record real quick before I kick it over to you guys. It is 3-3. Three and three. That's what I So, But her best win is... In 2014, 2015 win over Joanne Calderwood, Danielle Taylor, Taylor, Christine Stanchu, losses to Valerie Letourneau, Angela Hill, Carla Esparza. The Iron Lady to me, I actually am picking her to, for an upset. This is an upset I like on this card. Um, I think Mazo is a little overhyped. It's close. I just think people are down in Moreau's. They're hyped up on Mazo. The line should be closer. The line is close throughout the week. Give me the veteran savvy of Morose, but it's not something you need in tournaments at all. Uh, Chris, how do you have this fight? Yeah, uh, this is the, the the first of two women's fighters, and we'll get to the second one, who um, whose price um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as like a big favorite. I the the thing about um, Mazo is those those back to back head kick knockouts. If you watch them, and they're both on YouTube, you can find them. Um, they're a result of just their, their opponent backing straight, trying to back straight out of the pocket with their hands down. And, you know, that's all there is to it. Like it's not like she was taking over the fight. She wasn't. It was very even fight. You could even say their opponents might have been winning up to that point. Um, she's extremely low output, and she doesn't have much of an offensive game besides kicking game. Um, I never thought I'd say this about uh, Marina Moroz, but I actually expect her to be the volume striker of the two here. That's that 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 statement right there is why if you have to take a dump, save it for this fight. Yeah, no, like, it's true. Um, I, I I just you know this this has the the makings of a really boring like winner gets sixty five no matter what uh, it is. But um, the the one thing I I, I kind of like about Moroz here. Um, is that um, Mazo puts herself in, in clinch positions a lot, and she doesn't really win there when she gets there. And um, the only way that um, uh, Moroz gets her takedowns is to drag people to the ground. And I think Moroz can be a bit more physical here and maybe get this fight to the ground. So I, I don't. I think a sub is probably not out of the question. But the the um, the much better, the much more likely, I should say, outcome is. I think um, arose by like a weak decision. So this is a this is a big dog or pass fight for me. But yeah, my pick is uh, the dog Morose. Joe, a resident women's MMA expert, who you got? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, her last two fights were by decision. I'm um, including one over Sharon Ship, who's a five and eight fight. Sharon Shannon Sin, sorry, who's a five and eight fighter in uh, you know in LFA. So those head kicks go three fights back. Um, she's six and zero. She's twenty two years old. Um, not a bad looker. Um, trains of kings. Um, nickname is the Colombian Queen. Um, you know, I Moreau has got Moreau's has got the UFC experience. Um, has not looked great since that win against uh, JoJo Calderwood. Um, but I, I don't see her getting muscled here. I don't see one of these flashy head kicks knockout. She's got too much experience. Um, Ukrainian fighter. Um, I will also pick the upset. I don't think the ceiling is very high, but I will pick the upset. 7.4K is, is a much more attractive price. Um, so I don't expect to have much exposure to this fight, but I will pick the upset here in Moros. 
God, we're all on the same page for that fight. I, yeah, it's crazy. Some, huh? some, something feels dirty. All right, let's move on to Ray Borg, 9,400, taking on Casey Kenny at 6,800. Borg missed weight today. He's still the favorite, minus 255. The comeback on Kenny, plus 235. I've seen a lot of love for Kenny. I was really high on Borg, and this missing weight thing is a little has thrown me a little bit because he missed 135. I was telling, you know, I do other podcasts, and I was, I was telling our guy Marley that I don't, there's no way that Borg's not going to be fo- focused just with what he's fighting for and stuff going on with his son. I would think it would ultra motivate me as you know, someone who has kids and God forbid your kid was sick. That's just the mindset I get in. And then you miss weight and you go, oh, okay, exactly how focused was he? Because this is 135 now. So it's thrown me for a loop a little bit. I do think he's the better fighter. He's been in there with killers. He's got a grapple. He's got a win over Juicy A Formiga. He should be the all-around better fighter. But at 9,400, Kenny's not bad. I think Borg is – he's relatively safe, but I don't think you need him. And also for GPPs, there's guys with the higher ceilings on this card. So Borg's the pick. I just don't know how much I'm going to have now. Uh, Joe, start us off. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, you know, your first fight at a weight class 10 pounds up and, you know, you miss weight. I mean, Michael Johnson and Ray Borg were the last two fighters to weigh in. Michael Johnson made weight, uh, didn't look great. But then again, you know, he's what, despite what anyone says, he's a natural 155 or 145 is, you know, him trying to get out of a, a, a weight class of killers. Um, although I don't know if he maybe stepped out of the frying pan and into the fire. Um, yeah, um, hasn't fought in forever. Dolly bus glass in the eye incident, um, personal life, um, just kicking this poor guy's ass. Um, and now he has to give up 30% of his purse, um, you know, to his opponent who's coming off a short, short, you know, notice, um, two, two division title holder in LFA. Um, I don't know, man. Um, this is, uh, you know, if you're going to take a punt um, at a high-priced favorite, this might not be the worst direction to go in. Um, I, have, take, I, have a, I have a hot take for a punt that I think everyone's been yelling at me for. So on 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 um, yeah on on DraftKings, yeah, I mean, on paper he should score well and he should get grappling points and he should, you know, his his opponents were great. I mean, out grappling Juicier Formiga. Now that was not a high-scoring fight. It was more of a grapple fest, but, you know, as good as Formigo looked against Devison Figueroa, you'd have to think that, um, you know, one and one doesn't equal three here and that he's going to grapple fuck this guy. But um, I don't know, man. I To me, this is a fight to be underexposed to. Uh, I don't hate taking a small shot with with Kenny. Maybe if you want to, if, you, if you're not stacking and you're looking for a lower priced cash guy to play, maybe not the worst idea in the world. Um, throw a dart for GPPs. I'm going to pick Ray Borg because I just can't not pick him in this spot. But um, I'm like you. I'm, I would be cautious here, and I don't think you need him at his price tag. Chris? Yeah, I agree with all the price tag stuff, but I, I actually like uh, Borg quite a bit in this fight. I think there's a couple of major things that it comes down to me, and it's that one is that Kenny um, finds himself um, majorly flat-footed at certain points of the fight. Like he likes to um, – plant his feet and throw, and I think that's going to give Borg a pretty a pretty easy um, avenue for takedowns. Um, the other thing is, I mean, go, I think it goes out saying then that that Borg will would be the will be the better mover in there. I expect him to be faster. But the other thing is that um, in both of his contender series fights, Kenny got tired, and Borg doesn't get tired. So 
I, I, I think that Borg wins this fight pretty much everywhere. I've seen, I've seen Love for Kenny myself, and um, to Joe's point, I think that would make Borg for a decent, um, uh, like, uh, contrarian payup. But I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't really ever pay that off. I mean, I think he's done it. I was just looking. I think he's done it twice in in his last what uh, ten in his uh, UFC career. I think uh, looking at this thing here. So. It's kind of tough. I mean, we know that um, Borg's a scrambler. He can get, you know, we can he can get his transitions. He can he can get a sub. I like him here. I think he's gonna be able to do a lot of things his opponent won't be able to do. The price is the issue. Um, contrarian payup, uh, but Borg is the pick. You're lucky because I was just about to type clock in our chat. But oh, good job. There you go. Kevin Holland, eight nine hundred, taking on Gerald GM three Mearshard at seventy three hundred. Kevin Holland is the favorite. He is minus 185. The comeback on Mearshart plus 170. I like this fight a ton for GPPs. Can't believe I'm going to say this because Chris tipped his hand earlier. I'm assuming he's picking Gerald Mearshart. And God, I, I am picking Gerald Mearshart. GM3. Now, that being said, I'm going to have a ton of both sides of this fight in GPPs, and I want no part of it for cash. But I think he's one of the more live dogs in the card. I think Kevin Holland has gotten a lot of hype from getting his shit pushed in against um, Tiago Santos. I just realized I'm on the Rotowire pod, so sorry, guys. But that's that's the way I've, I've explained it in my head. Um, this fight hits the ground. Mearshart tears through him. There is every opportunity that or every chance that he Holland gets a knockout. I just think he's a tad overrated right now. I think the prices are off and GPPs. I'm mixing in uh, a good amount of Mearshart here, and I think he's going to pull off the upset here. So give me GM3. Chris, you start us off here. Back me up. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I, I am picking Mearshart, but I kind of just meant in general, like, I'm, I'm a fan of his because I, I think that he's a guy who deserved his shot kind of before he got it, so I was glad to see him get it in the UFC. But uh, be that as it may, I, I like him here too. Um, we know how dangerous a guy like Kevin Holland can be at range. His kicking game, um, the way he mixes up his kicks and punches. Um, we saw him put on his full display of skills in that John Phillips fight. It was fun to watch. But um, the thing that that um, kind of has me like, eh, that has me picking Mearshart is that he's going to just come forward constantly. He's going to um, flurry with strikes. He's got a pretty decent kicking game of his own, and he's going to go for takedowns. Now, um, Kevin Holland is not like a terrible grappler, but I don't see him on the level as a Gerald Mearshart. And I also don't, I'm also not putting a lot of stock into that, um, into that Hermanson loss, which to me was just a really weird fight. He even said himself, he just couldn't get going. I mean, there was a period in that fight where he got out and just like jumped for a half-hearted guillotine when they were back to their feet. Like it was very strange. So I'm kind of throwing that result out. I think that, um, we're starting fresh here. I, I like the pace that Mearshart keeps. Um, and look, he's a veteran, and the um, the less experienced fighter is going to have to know how to deal with that kind of pressure. I think uh, Mearshart brings a lot of questions, and I think for the price and the grappling points and all that good stuff, um, I think he's very live here, and he's actually my pick. So there you go. Yeah, we're, we're taking a lot of heat here in, in chat. As well, but you should. If Holland, if Holland keeps standing, he wins. There's there's a clear path to victory for Mearshart, and if you disagree with me, I'm I I don't know what to tell you. I, I I'm not locking it up. I'm not going crazy, but it's a, it's a solid GPP play. Who else other than Gaethje under 8100 
has got that kind of upside. And Paul yeah, Craig, I, but we'll talk about that. Otto, Otto says he got wrecked by Hermanson. He got out physical by Hermanson, who was a stronger guy than him. As, 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 and, some, and somebody and somebody else said that um that Holland's takedown defense would be too good. If anything, it's his movement. Holland was getting taken down by Tiago Santos, who doesn't go for takedowns. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not totally dismissing Holland. He could score 100 too. I want both sides of this fight. But if it if this if, if they grapple at all, I think it's a problem. Joe, go ahead. Hey, so tell, let's, tell let's, let's let the voice of reason, you know, kind uh-huh. of have have his moment here. First of all, um, by the way, and on three on three nine, Kevin Grappling Kevin Holland actually participated in and won a grappling contest. So it's obviously it's obvious he's working on his grappling. I don't know that Mershot has got such a distinct advantage on the ground like you guys think he does. I think Kevin, um, I think Holland is stronger. Will outmuscle him. Will outstrike him. I like him a fair bit here. I like him better than nearly every play uh, in the nine K range. So um, I have. I will. Shit, I'll share with you guys what I have right now in Holland. I have. I have like eight percent Mearshart and thirty-eight percent Holland. So there you go, Kevin Holland. That's see, that's there's. I think you're missing GPP opportunity. I guess if you, I guess if you're super sure, I just GM three is a killer be killed guy. I think this is a great GP. This is a good both sides GPP fight. And I thought I'd get you on board with that. If not, I guess I guess we'll agree to disagree. When John – when just one last thing here. When John Phillips started walking him down, he was landing shots. Oh, I, don't, don't even – I just John want that known. Oh. And I'm, just, I'm, just, saying, I'm oh. just saying if you pressure him, you take away a lot of that if offense. If you keep bringing up John Phillips, I'm going to throw up in this bucket. We're going to have to hit pause. <laughs> that, oh. That'll be entertaining too. No, I'm going to leave the stream on for that, so you oh. go ahead. I'll do that. Enrique Barzola, 8,200, taking on Kevin Aguilar at 8,000. The, uh, the line of this fight has been confusing to me all week. As of right now, Barzola, it's minus 115. Aguilar's plus 105. You've heard it time and time again if you listen to MMA and DraftKings podcast. Barzola's style is DraftKings gold. It's what we're looking for, those relentless type of grapplers, rinse and repeat. Aguilar, 16-1. Good guy. I think Barzola still gets it done here. Uh, I will have Barzola. I think the line should be wider. Joe. Yeah, I, I, you know, this is this is like all on Aguilar's record. I'm not saying that he's a bad fighter, but, you know, like 16-1, and one, I was shocked at this line. You know, Barzola's got so much more experience. Um, he's so much better a wrestler. Aguilar, you know, gets taken down by his pillow at bedtime. Um, this is a perfect matchup for him. Um, cardio is good. Uh, I, you know, I wish he would fight more often. I mean, he, I've always been a huge fan of him. DraftKings gold. I mean, takedown points. I mean, his worst outing was, I think, 80 points. Um, and priced at, at 8.2K, I mean, my only fear is he's going to be so highly owned that he's pretty much going to be a wash in almost every lineup. Um, I, I, I can understand playing a few lineups with Aguilar. Um, he has a ceiling. I don't see a floor. I see a ceiling for him. I will have a few shares of him. Uh, where am I right now with... Aguilar, uh, let's see, and this is Kevin, not Jessica. Um, I am at uh, what nine percent? Okay, so I, I do have a taste of him, but I, I love Barzola, might be my favorite play on the slate. Chris, remember when people were picking Brandon Davis to beat Barzola? That's fun, not me. But, um, yeah, no, he was, a, he was a popular dog in that fight, I remember that distinctly, but um. At any at any rate, um, yeah. The thing about Aguilar is that I mean, 
uh, like Joe said, he, he has no floor whatsoever. He's basically the ultimate counterfighter. He's just going to um, wait for his opponent to walk into range and try to counter. Now, he's accurate and he's powerful, but um, he's got that like ultra counterfighter um, mentality where even even in a spot where he had Rick Glenn hurt um, in, in the, either the first round or the second round, he didn't go in for the kill. He just let him sort of shake it off. I believe it was um, the end of the first. He just let him sort of sh um, shake it off and let him keep fighting. Um, I don't think that anything like that is is good for DraftKings. I think, like, he, he basically needs a knockout to um, be good in GPPs. And Barzola, like you said, the wrestling, he's going to get – he's going to – if he gets his takedown game working and he, he's going to get um, a ton of points, he's got to – He's not really a good striker, but he's got a lot of good range tools, a lot of deep kicks and side kicks he uses to keep the distance. He can do some body work. Um, I saw somebody getting nervous because he said uh, in, in a translated interview that he's, he wants to try to knock Aguilar out. I hope he's just talking there. Um, I suspect that he is. But, um, yeah, I like Barzola quite a bit. Um, he's going to be really popular, but I'm not sure how you can fade it. Um, I'm, I'm going to be on him. Make sure I'm not on mute. I'm not. So now we can talk about our next fight, which is Desmond Green at 9,300, taking on Ross, the real deal, Pearson at 6,900. The elder statesman, Ross Pearson, plus 375. Desmond Green, minus 420. I will say I threw you a little bit of a curveball by calling him the elder statesman. I think he is a fine punt for cash. You don't need him in this week, but I don't hate it in terms of if I'm dumpster diving. I'm dumpster diving with, with Ross Pearson because I'm going to get three rounds. Desmond Green isn't a finisher to me, and he's a guy who has a nasty habit of fighting close. He fights. He raises or lowers the level of competition. He's like he's like the New York Jets from five to ten years ago, which I can say because I'm a Jet fan. So Pearson is still game. He's not quickly getting knocked out. So three rounds of striking punt, a punt in what could be a close fight. I'm picking Desmond Green, but I think Pearson's a fine cash game punt. Chris, am I crazy? Uh, no, I, I, I like Desmond here a lot. Um, I think Pearson, the reason why, like you, you're right that Desmond Green isn't a finisher. You're also right that he tends to fight to the pace of his opponent, but that might actually be a good thing here because Ross Pearson likes to bang and get in wars. And if he does do that, um, Green's going to be way faster. Um, uh, Pearson's going to have to contend with the length of Green. And, um, I think that that Green, um, Green, if, if if Pearson draws him into the firefight, which I think he could do, then I think Green has a chance to knock him out. Um, but otherwise, you're right. Um, this 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 probably won't um, uh, meet the requirements for GPPs, which should have a lot of people off it, which makes it a good uh, contrarian punt. But in general, I think you're right that, that Green just scores too low. You can't count on him um, to get that big score, but I do think – this is a matchup where if he's ever going to get a finish, it could be this time. So I'm taking green. Joe. Yeah. So whenever has the highest priced fighter on the card and the second highest priced DraftKings fight salaried fighter been considered a contrarian play. And that's what you got here. I mean, you know, all the talk um, is, you know, fade, 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 fade Desmond green. And I get it. I mean, he's not a great DraftKings fighter. I mean, he's not a guy that scores a lot of points. He fights to his competition. Um, I get it. I mean, I don't really like Pearson at all here. I mean, I may have a couple of shares of him just, you know, for diversification purposes. But, um, 
you know, I like Green to get the win. I don't love him, obviously, for draft. Wow, I got more Pearson than I thought. I don't love him for <laughs> draftings, but um, you know, I, you know, I, I think you should have if you're gonna if you're gonna multi-enter, you should have some shares of him just as a contrarian play because to Chris's point, this could be the fight where he gets the knockout. I mean, we know that Pearson will engage. He's a tough MF. He will engage. That's Green's game. Um, I, I could certain now again, there's some narrative on Green too. He had that that car accident where someone ended up dying. I don't know psychologically how that might have affected him. Um, in any case, I'm gonna pick Green for the win here. Yeah, I have a couple of shares of Pearson if you like. Um, I don't really expect much from him, but um, you know, have a share or two. Um, but you know, green for the win. Marina Rodriguez, ninety one hundred, taking on Jag, Jessica Aguilar at seventy one hundred. Rodriguez minus 315, Aguilar plus 285. I like Rodriguez pretty solidly in this fight. Again, it's a ceiling issue, women's fight. Uh, she's going to want to strike. I don't, Aguilar's clearly on, clearly on the decline. I think she's a pretty safe pick. Worried about the ceiling, but I like Rodriguez. Joe, any yeah, for the I mean, elder statesman? I like Rodriguez more than I like Mazo. I mean, uh, Easy. Ag- Easy. Again, again, that draw against Marcos looks fairly good right now. Um I, my, you know, my concern, well, Aguilar absorbs a lot of strikes, which I like. Um, I was extremely disappointed with Aguilar against um, Wiley Wee Zhang. Um, I, I can't believe she got submitted a black belt. Uh, she got submitted by what, a blue belt or a purple belt, um, you know, and she just looks so horrible. I'm, I'm shocked she got another fight, trains at a good camp. I guess anything can happen if she gets the fight to the ground. This seems to be a showcase fight for the Brazilian who's 10 and one um, or 10, 0 and one. I, I, I can't remember her record. I, they probably want to use her on again on the card in Brazil. If she doesn't, doesn't take any damage here. Um, yeah, I am on Rodriguez here. I just don't know how to play her. Um, you know, if, if you look at the volume of significant strikes that Aguilar has taken of late, even if the, you don't get grappling points and this fight goes the distance, you could get a fair number of, of striking points here. Um, she's just a little too high priced, um, you know, to, to make that work in GPPs. I see her as relatively sat, safe in cash, and I actually considered playing her myself in cash. I ended up going in another direction, but I don't think it's the worst play in the world uh, to use her in cash. She's just, uh, you know, really high priced. Um, but my pick is going to be Rodriguez. Yeah, she, by the way, she got another fight because Alexa Grasso pulled out of this one. So. Right. Trying, trying to probably see, keep from getting the old UFC pink slip, uh, Chris. Yeah. All right, so I have a solution for you to how to, for how to play this fight. Um, All right, Aguilar, because you're um, out of your mind. This is the other fight where the, the her price does not make any sense. It Listen, makes perfect I sense. It, she just got destroyed it, by Weili Zhang. It doesn't make any. Weili Zhang is she got out muscled by a grappler who was way stronger than her. That's that's so much different than what she's gonna have here. The, uh, the the thing about um uh what is her name uh Rodriguez is is she is another like low volume Muay Thai kickboxer who was getting in get uh in that fight against um can't remember any, anybody's name random come on Marcos. dude <laughs> random Marcos in that fight against random Marcos she was getting forced into the clinch a lot and that's how Marcos got her takedown was to drag her down. And in fact, she had her in mount in the first round of that fight. Um, the reason why I didn't like Marcos before is because she 
in the in the in the Angela Hill fight, one of the reasons is she doesn't really stick to her wrestling, but that's another that's another thing. Um, but um, I think that Aguilar Aguilar will. I think that Aguilar will make a dirty fight, and I think she's good at that kind of fight. And I think Marcos was really was really thriving in that fight, get, landing a lot of dirty boxing, like uppercuts from the clinch and things. Um, she she's got good leg kicks, Rodriguez, good kicks in general, but. I, I don't know. I, I, I really just don't see it. I, I think I think the veteran can just make this a dirty fight, get some takedowns, and, and win a decision. I, I honestly don't know what you guys are expecting from a Rodriguez. Like, do you think that she's going to knock her out, or you think she's just going to land a million strikes all of a sudden? Like, a million you, strikes. Yeah, a lot of strikes. I, I but, she's not, but she's not... She's a higher volume fighter than... She's not a high volume striker. She got 60 strikes off against Marcos in basically two rounds. It's that's not, because that's because Marcos forces the fight, and Aguilar's not going to do the same. Aguilar is so easy run. to get hit, Chris. Just before you embarrass yourself any further, okay. Oh, go, go, right, go, go, let's, let's, let's personally bet on this fight then. No, though. no, go to oh, fight. Oh, 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 go to fight, fight metrics and look at how many strikes Aguilar has absorbed. No, I understand. I understand, but but that those are that's the last fight against Marcos is somebody who comes forward and throws. She, she's not. Uh, I mean, Aguilar is going to. Come forward and not throw. What? She's going to come forward and not throw. She's going to try and get a clinch and she's going to get hit. But she's not going to. But but Marcos was winning in the clinch decisively, and Aguilar lives there. Aguilar works in the clinch. So Marcos is better than Aguilar. Of course she is, but it's but it's the same kind of fight, but at a lower level. That's my Chris. Oh Chris. Oh Chris. That so I get his point. That Marcos had success in the clinch, so why can't Aguilar? But where I think you're missing, my opinion, is that Marcos is way better than Aguilar, and it won't translate here. So I get, you, I get, I get your point to it now. I just disagree with it. And that being said, we'll talk about Sadiq Yusuf at 8700 taking on Shaman Marais at 7500. Shaman Marais, a guy who just is, keeps. Oh well, well Sean, Sean, before you do that, yep. do you know that Jody Escabel landed 81 strikes against Jessica Aguilar? Courtney Casey, 103 strikes. Claudia Gedalia, 111 strikes. Claudia Gedalia is the one we're going back to. Oh, no, come on. No, let's go Courtney Casey. Not exactly, a pro- not exactly a prolific striker here. 103 strikes. Jody Escabel, come on. I mean, she gets she gets knocked out by her. Okay. By, by her I need strikes. What's it going to do for you at 94? All right. Nope. All right. Oh, <laughs> God, Chris. Chris. Break. I really wish Chris was going to this card. Oh, me too. I, I can't. I cannot wait I, for this. Make sure. Make sure you're on Twitter after this fight. I, I will. I wish you were going so I could have somebody just periscope you guys sitting next. <laughs> to I would. I would pay five bucks for that. Periscope. I invite Chris all the time. He always turns me down. He doesn't like to attend fights live. I, I don't. That's absolutely true. I like yeah. to. T- I like to take a nap after they're over. Yeah, he can. I mean, you know, it's his mom doesn't let him out. I mean, all right, all right, all right. All right. Break it. I'm actually chained to a sewer pipe as we <laughs> break it up. Oh God! Stop. I have a break after this card. Uh, nice. <laughs> oh, we, got, we got a week off, so we're good. I know. That's why I'm getting it all out now. Yusuf yeah. is minus one thirty-five. Line has closed quite a bit here. Shimmerize. Um, it's probably about where this should have been lined in the first place. Now you guys throw me totally off. Marais is plus 125. Mar- Chris Marais is a low-volume striker. Yeah, he, is, he is that. Yeah. Yusuf is going to press forward. I think Yusuf, the pressure will get to Marais. I actually think this fight scores pretty well. 
if Yusuf wins. I think he's the real deal. It's kind of, are you a believer in Sadiq Yusuf? Chris, are you a believer in Sadiq? I am, but maybe not for this matchup. And the reason I say that is because um, Sadiq is, as you said, a good come forward striker, really athletic, throws in combination, but he tends to swing a little wild. And when he gets pressured, he tends to, I, I, I actually said it in, in my, in my last, um, my last review for him, which I soundly picked him, but I did say that he sort of has that Diego, Diego Santos striking defense where if you pressure him, he just uh, tries to sort of wing hooks to scare you away. And um, Shaman Rice is a good, accurate counterpuncher. Uh, pressure countering is his game. As you said, he's a low-volume striker. Uh, knocked down uh, Julio Arce with two really well-timed counters in their fight, and I think he's going to get his opportunity to counter here. I think that you're right. I think that um, Sadiq is going to pour on the pressure, but I think that that falls into um, Shaman's game. Um, I think that um, Sadiq is a guy who looks to get his opponents out of there quickly. I don't think that's going to happen with a guy like Marais, and I wonder where we're going to be at when it doesn't happen. So I understand all the love for Yusef. Of course, he can, he can obviously overwhelm and maybe even land one big shot and – and take Marice out here, but I think Marice is plenty live because I think a powerful counter striker and an educated one at that is going to be a big test for Yusuf. So it's an interesting fight. Go. Yeah. So you know, look, I, I think this is all ceiling no four here for Yusuf. Um, I like him a bit. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, Suman Trashcan. I'm sorry, Mo Motrak. You know, you know, what I'm talking about Moktarian. Um, yeah, Moktarian, the the Trashcan's brother. Um, yes, a round one knockout of him is not overly impressive. Uh, you can argue that his most impressive fight was the decision against Mike Davis, but you know, look at who he fought prior to that. I mean, he is like 18 months removed from getting nuked in the first round by Luis Gomez. Yes. That Luis Gomez, the one that none of us know, um, who was at the time, 22 years old, um, in a Titan fight. So he is very raw. I was gonna. I was gonna say. What do you mean that Luis Gomez? I know. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, he exactly. was Luis Gomez. Yeah. I, as I should have had a a pause. Um, you know, <laughs> Dylan Dylan Tuque. Um, he's got a win against. Uh, by the way, if you wanna if you wanna look at, he's got one of the best profile photos on Tapology. D Dylan Tuque or Tuque. Um, you know, so he has not exactly been fighting the best of the best, even on the regional scene. Um, he's a Lloyd Irvin fighter. You know, I know everybody has some opinions on Lloyd Irvin as you a should trainer. Have a, you should you know? have an opinion on Lloyd Irvin. Yeah. Very strong opinions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, you know, be that what it may. Uh, again, I think this is a pure GPP play. I would not play him in cash. He's definitely got upside here. Um, Marias has done what, you know, look, UFC didn't do him any favors throwing him in against Zabit. Didn't look horrible against the beat, you know, beat sales, who was the Dominic Cruz, you know, protege teammate, um, you know, and, and they talked him up as much as they could and still couldn't get him the decision. Um, and then, you know, outboxing Julio Arce, who is a golden gloves boxer, um, Tiger Muay Thai was very, very impressive. So look, I, you know, this could be a boring low volume decision or, you know, he could come out and get nuked. I, I don't see him getting nuked, which is why, I'd, I'd plead caution. I'd look at this as a GPP fight. Um, I will tentatively pick Yusuf here. Um, not high level of confidence just because 
I think Moraes is being disrespected here. I think the line is a bit wide. But, um, yeah, I'll go with Yusuf. But, again, all ceiling, no floor. Let's keep on moving here. We have Kennedy Njuwuku, 9,000, taking on Paul Craig at 7,200. Njuwuku, minus 165. Paul Craig, plus 155. Does not go to decision, minus 260. Does not go to decision, minus 260. I've already seen people talking about it in, in, in chat. It's not that I'm picking Paul Craig. I'm going – my lineups that don't have Kennedy and Shibuku will have Paul Craig. I am very I, – I think Paul Craig is bad, just like you guys, but you're playing GPP. You're looking at guys who can end up on the optimal lineup in a win. Injuwuku is still a newcomer to the UFC, and if this fight hits the mat, Paul Craig will submit him. But Paul Craig's wrestling offense is trash, and just like against Khalil Roundtree, he's going to wade in face first and get knocked out. Is how I think this fight's going to go. Give me Injuwuku. Joe. Yeah, this guy is very raw. I mean, uh, six foot five, 83 inch reach. Um, has not exactly been fighting the best of the best. Um, you know, has looked impressive recently. Nice first round knockout on Dana White's contender series um, against Dennis Bryant. Uh, he was a minus 600 favorite, though, so I, I discount that a bit. Um, you know, he's raw. This guy is very raw. I mean, I I think Paul Craig, as always, is, you know, brought in to lose, to be somewhat of a gatekeeper. I do think this fight is this fight is going to be very highly targeted due to the inside-the-distance prop. I'm not going to have 100% exposure to this fight. Um, I Again, I'm not, I'm not – I'm probably going to be – under whatever the ownership is on Craig. Um, I will have ownership of Kennedy. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, where am I now? Kennedy. Uh, Njuwuku. Yeah, Njuwuku. Okay, yeah, I've got a significant percentage of him. He's not going to be my highest owned guy, but because of the inside the distance prop, you know, you do have to have exposure to this fight. Where am I at, Craig? 8%. Um, okay, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to use this fight 100%. But I do think it's going to be highly targeted because of the inside the distance prop. I will pick Mr. Kennedy to win the fight, though. Chris. Uh, I don't know. I I guess I'm picking Kennedy too. My problem with him is that like he's one of these guys that just like a you would call him a pressure counter striker, except he doesn't really counter strike. He doesn't really throw a lot of strikes, period. He's one of these guys who looks like to me he's always trying to line up the one big shot. He kind of reminds me of Darren Till in that way where like he's got all these physical advantages and you're like, all right, just go, just go. But, but he really doesn't. I mean, that's why he fought to a split in his first contender series fight. His second one, he, he was fighting a guy that he was like five inches taller than that might be a little bit of exaggeration, but maybe three to five inches taller than, and he just caught him with a head kick. And that was the end of the fight. Um, so his inactivity kind of worries me. Uh, and the thing that I like about Craig is that, we're seeing this from a lot of fighters re recently who don't really wrestle. We saw it with Brian Ortega in the Max Holloway fight. These guys, I think, are getting the picture that they can't be pure jujitsu fighters who don't wrestle. It just doesn't work. And to that end, we've seen more takedowns and more takedown attempts from Craig in recent fights where we didn't when he first came into the UFC and he, and he was just getting slaughtered. Um, he, uh, sure, he got out grappled by... Um, uh, who was that? Kaikara France, but um, it's this shouldn't be a problem here. Um, I don't think. I think this is, if this goes to the ground, 
it's Paul Craig's fight. And look, for that reason and for the low volume of um, of um, Kennedy, I'm not going to attempt to say the last name, but uh, Kennedy. Um, babies. Njuoku. Come on. Njuoku. There you Wait, go. Wait, where did Kai Kara Kai France is like a, a, a flyweight. Where, how did he come in? I, no, I, I knew I had the name wrong, but I just oh. couldn't. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll actually look right now. It was uh, Jimmy Crute is who it was. Okay. There you yeah, go. Australia, but, um, same same part of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but so yeah, um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some I'm gonna have Craig here. I think um, just because I, I I like him and I, I this is something I never thought I'd say about Craig. I think I like him to take control of the fight better uh, than Njoku does. So I think, uh, I think I'm I'm gonna give like a. I, I think picking, in the beginning, you call Craig straight up. In the beginning, I said Njoku. I'll go with Njoku just because he's way more. He's more athletic. Fight. Way more athletic, way more powerful. So I'll go with him. Craig's live. Let's say that. Yeah, Fortis MMA. Good camp. Okay. I, I just don't want to have a riot here. All right, let's talk about Carolina Kovalkiewicz, 8,600. Uh, Michelle Watterson, 7,600. Line on this fight. Kovalkiewicz at minus 140. Watterson plus 130. Otto is all about Michelle Watterson. I am not all about Michelle Watterson in this fight. There's some intangibles that I'll let Joe talk about in, in a minute. Um, mostly. Actually, no. I'm going to go with them because somebody else got Yeah, talk about the intangibles because I might not know them. Not not yeah. so intangibles. Sorry. Narrative is what I meant. Narrative being um, Kovalkiewicz had her life changed at 115, I think. You don't see knockouts like Jessica Andrade knocked out Kovalkiewicz. You just don't see it. You have to worry about that. Then there's this interview floating around that Kovalkiewicz doesn't want to hurt Michelle Watterson. Does, does she know she's in a fight? She's going to be locked in a cage with her? The pressure striking of Kovalkiewicz actually plays into the favor of Watterson, the karate style and the counter striking. And if anybody's going to take this fight to the ground, I think it's Watterson where she has a pretty good advantage and is live to a submission. 7,600, sign me up for Michelle Watterson and picking her to win straight. I have a bet on her as well. I think there's value there. God, stop. I mean, it's one of those. I don't know how great the ceiling is unless she gets that um that uh that that sub. But I'll take Watterson. Joe, people in chat want to know what you think of her decision about going blonde and how that's going to affect the fight. Yeah, Very I mean, great. I mean, it's really interesting because um I think uh KK is is now has got dark hair now, right? It did. I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, luck. I mean, luck. These Kovalkiewicz are. Kovalkiewicz doesn't do it for me. Again, Sorry, these guys. are like uh, these are two of the hotter fighters in in the UFC. I mean, again, yeah. I think I think you could make the same argument about the corners. You know, vaselining themselves up. Um, you I actually, joke so many times. I know, I know. I, 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 I know, I know. You broke Newsom. I know Newsom really liked it, uh, which he never heard it before. Yeah, I was. For those of you who don't get the reference, I actually guested on the uh, Newsom MMA pod. That was a lot of fun um, early in the week, which was. Unique for me because I'm usually an end-of-the-week pod kind of guy. Um, so I really had to get my act together to keep up with Newsom. But I actually, on that pod, I picked KK. I leaned to KK. Now, I will say that um, the Chick Whisperer 2.0, a.k.a. Automatic 23, kind of pushed me a little bit over the edge on, on Michelle Waterson. And really not for any narrative. There is some additional narrative, too, that these women are actually pretty good friends. I mean, there's a lot of photo ops of them together. I think KK even came out and said as much Michelle being her idol. You know, um, I 
if this was prior to the Jessica Andrade beatdown, I would probably be sh- more on KK. I mean, she's she has done very well against better competition. She has a win over Rose Nama Yunus. The first UFC event I ever attended, Orlando in 2015, uh, KK made her debut. Um, and look, just like unbelievable, calm, unbelievably calm. I think she beat Randa Marcos in that fight. Um, did she? Yeah, I think she beat Randa Marcos in that fight. So again, I, I think, you know, although I, I've liked the look of Michelle Waterson recently, she's definitely packed some muscle on. Um, she, she does those judo throw takedowns, um, even though she is the karate hottie. Um, Otto has kind of pushed me over the fence on, on Michelle Waterson. It's not a super confident pick. I certainly think that KK can win here. Um, if there's value in Waterson at 7.6 K, um, I probably, I will not have a lot of, uh, KK at her price range. I think Waterson could be a decent play in cash. I don't necessarily see her getting finished. So I see her floor is pretty decent. I don't know how high her ceiling is. I will pick Waterson. It's not a super confident pick. Um, this is a fight I'm going to enjoy the optics of, um, but uh, give me Waterson here. Chris? Yeah. Um, I'm taking Kovalkovic. And look. I get it. This may be, there may be something to said where I, I just don't like um, Michelle Waterson as a fighter. It's just – it's on the on the feet, it's all like those distance kicks that, that um, get her out of position – and then it's as Joe mentioned, the judo throws on the ground. Look to her credit, she she tends to get at least one takedown every fight. But um, I I just can't trust it. I just can't trust that because um, she she's the smaller fighter in basically all of these fights. Um, I just can't trust that a takedown like that that relies on physicality because you're basically giving your opponent your back. Um, it can just come through. And I like Kovalevich to to walk her down, cut off the cage, and sort of just bomb on her. I um I don't think a finish or a high a high volume decision is out of the question here. I I just I just can't I can't I don't like Waterson's stand up game and I don't trust her her takedown game enough uh, for her to get it to the mat. If she does get it to the mat, she's probably going to have her own way. She's a very good grappler, and we've seen uh, Kovalevich sort of look lost on the mat. But I think this stays standing, and I'm giving it to Kovalev. Wow, Automatic just sent me a photo of a Chris Olsen voodoo doll. Wow, it's it's very lifelike, too. I'll have, oh, to, yeah. I'll have to tweet that out. Thank you, Otto. Michael, um, Michael Johnson, 8,400, taking on Josh Emmett at 7,800. Johnson, minus 115. He, he almost missed weight today. He did make it. Emmett, plus 105. So we have odds value here on Josh Emmett. Slight odds value. I know I did listen to the Newsome MMA pod, and Joe – it's all about Josh Emmett, and Newsom is all about Michael Johnson. Joe, I'm with Newsom on this one. Emmett is a 135er who knocked out Ricardo Lamas, and I'm adamant what? that I think that was the that was that was the worst thing that could have happened to him. He should be at bantamweight. His Twitter handle was like J Emmett 135. The guy, and but he gets this knockout, and he gets ranked, and now he's going to stay there. You know, you got a lightweight coming down to to featherweight. Plus all the injury stuff from Emmett, I lean towards Michael Johnson. I will say what I'm worried about is the takedowns of Josh Emmett. If he chooses to go there and can time a shot well, he is live in this fight. A little bit of odds value. I don't think there's – it's not a fight I want to be all in on because Justin Gaethje is $100 less than, um, than 
uh, Josh Emmett, who we'll talk about in a little while. So give me Michael Johnson. Um, I think the striking will be too much against Josh Emmett. Well, Emmett is live for sure. We'll start with Chris for this one. Yeah. Um, Michael Johnson has just been increasingly um, proving to me that, um, you know, he just keeps, it just seems like he keeps falling further and further out of, out of, um, you know, the top fighters in that division with every fight. I mean, he, he had, he had a competitive first round with Arden Loboff that Loboff, um, uh, that Loboff arguably won just because he, look, he marched him down and, um, he just started throwing his shots and look, Arden Loboff is, is not the mover that Josh Emmett is. He's not going to be bouncing around in there like Josh Emmett is. I think Emmett's going to be able to find his strikes and Emmett's, Emmett's a powerful striker. He's got, um, granted, he, he had four in one of them, so it kind of skews it. But still, six knockdowns in his last three fights. I, that, I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at there. We know the guy's got power. Um, Michael Johnson has some power himself. I think Michael Johnson's um, speed isn't going to play as much here. I think uh, Emmett is going to be plenty fast, and I think he's he's a, he's a smarter striker the way he selects his shots. And like you said, Sean, the wrestling is going to be in the back pocket if he wants it. Um, we haven't seen him use it a ton. I think he's got like one takedown in his last three, four fights or something, but it is there for him. He can, he can mix it up if he wants to. I, I just see him at a certain point, um, sort of throwing too much at Michael Johnson and kind of overwhelming him. So, uh, I'm taking him probably for a decision win here. All right, Joe, get everybody along. Yeah, I, I, I think I might've must've misheard you because Josh Emmett has never fought at 135. Am I thinking? Did you say he? He's he going back to high school. He's never fought at one thirty-five. He's he was a lightweight who went down to one forty-five. Well, whose Twitter handle were you thinking about? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Wait, wait, am I thinking of who the hell am I thinking? I, I gotta pull it up. Yeah, all I'm saying is that I, I was like, wait a second. Did he say bantamweight? He's never. I mean, he missed weight against Lamas. I mean, you know, he never. Yeah, he's yeah. never fought who that. Who am I thinking of? Yeah, somebody else. Um, but anyway, for for all the reasons that Chris just mentioned, um, look. I I honestly believe that that was an illegal blow that he took against um you know Jeremy Stevens. It's unfortunate because he, he I had him winning that fight. Um you know he took the time off. Here's the other nap bit of narrative. Um two of Michael Johnson's losses are our alpha male teammates of uh, recent losses. Our alpha male, male. No, I'm sorry. One one split decision win, one loss. Uh, Feely he won split decision. Many people thought Feely won that fight. Uh, he got nuked by by Elkins. Um, they're both teammates of of Emmett. Um, I I have to believe that whatever Michael Johnson might have um, can be replicated uh, at Team Alpha Male. Um, I am going to give Emmett a shot here. I like the value. I like the odds value. I like the price. Um, I liked him um, initially. I like him now. Uh, give me Josh Emmett here as a dog. I got to find out what I was thinking of. I might have had that reversed. Yeah. Anyway. Jack Hermanson, 8,300, taking on David Branch at 7,900. David Branch, guy who just got knocked out by Jared Cannonier, cost me a fair amount of money on that one. Um, Cannonier in shape now. So, anyway, David Branch, um, not a good DraftKings score even when he wins. Hermanson, I really like as a prospect. Obviously tough. Dude's got a black belt. He's sweeping Talas Latis from the bottom, which is no joke. Has good volume in this fight. I like Hermanson. Uh, Joe, 8,300. Yeah. I mean, look, he's drafting his gold, Hermanson. I mean, um, although Hermanson is another guy with no floor, um, you know, in his losses, he got 143 points. 
I don't know how he got nine advances against Mearshart. Um, 81 against Laites in a fight that he was getting pieced up. Um, uh, Brad Scott, 120 points. Um, you know, but again, his losses are ugly. I mean, 113 against Nicholson, seven points against Ferrer, uh, three points against Santos. Um, look, you look, I mean, if we're looking at MMA math, it's got to be Branch, right? I mean, Branch uh, knocked out Santos in Atlantic City. Um, it's yeah. interesting because I, I, in DraftKings, I have more of Hermanson, but I'm going to actually pick Branch to win. Um, you know, I like the, I like the price. Um, I think that he has fought better competition. I am concerned about his age. I am concerned about his cardio. Um, you know, a, a year ago, I would have been a lot more confident in branch, um, you know, winning this fight. Uh, I don't see branch getting, uh, you know, lit up by ladies. Um, you know, Hermanson obviously nuked Mearshard, who again, I'm not overly super high on. Um, so give me David Branch here, but this is a great fight to target because if Hermanson wins, you know, in GPPs, I would not touch this fight in cash. He is going to score. Um, and I think also Branch will score, um, even though he, it doesn't show on his record. I think he will score because Hermanson is that kind of fighter that you could score against. I, I disagree with you in that I think Hermanson is fine in cash because I don't see Branch starching him quickly. He knocked out a really, you know, a Tiago Santos who was cutting to 185 oh, and refused on, wait, to wait, keep wait. his hands up. I, wait, wait, wait. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, well, who else was knocking out Tiago Santos? The answer is nobody. Gegard Mousasi. That's it. Yeah. Nobody's knocking. Nobody's knocking him out. Like that win is just continues to keep getting better and better and better. But God, it's it's a fluky win. It's an MMA win. Yes, he has it. I still overall MMA is going to happen. Yeah, but overall is 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 Branch a guy who's going to start you quickly? No. No, I, well, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, no, I, I, I think I think Hermanson's fine in cash. I would say results not typical. Here, here's my take on the fight. Um, the 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 um the Jared Cannonier fight just confused me. I thought that Branch could outbox him in his sleep if he wanted to. Instead, he goes for like a million takedowns. Um, Cannonier's a little better on the ground than he thought. Gets himself tired and um gets himself caught. But um. I actually like like Branch um, quite a bit here, with the exception of of Leites, who I would say um, guessed in that fight himself. Um, basically, the guys that Hermanson beats, he overpowers with grappling, and he's right. not gonna be able to, not gonna be able to do that to David Branch. Um, Agreed. Branch is a high level black belt, um, and Hermanson's another one of these guys who, if you walk him down, you can take away a lot of his offense, and I think that's what David Branch is gonna do. That's what David Branch likes to do. He's a very good pocket boxer. I, I hope he doesn't just come right in and go for the takedown. What I suspect is that that was oh, a short notice fight, so Branch thought he just wanted to end it quickly, uh, or at least I hope that's what was going on. But if Branch just works his game, he's got a nice solid jab, he can throw in combination, and he can mix in that wrestling, and he's got his ground skills. I I think that um, – the only thing that, that um, Hermanson might have here is strength, but I don't think that's going to matter on the ground because I think the skill level is going is, is to be in Branch's favor. So I like Branch pretty much everywhere here, and I'm taking him for the win. I think he's a good dog. I, I think you're underestimating the ground skills of Jack Hermanson, but we'll, we'll move on. Anybody who can sweep Talos Leites, like that uh, dude's legit on the ground. Anyway. Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay, well, okay. Edson Barbosa, 8,500, taking on Justin Gaethje at 7,700. 
Barboza minus 125, Gaethje plus 115. All right, guys, I'm going to give the fight breakdown for this one. You are going to tell us how to play it on DraftKings. I don't want to rehash the fight breakdown three times. Makes sense. Barboza kicks super friggin' hard. Gaethje presses forward all the time. He has wrestling in his pocket that he'll never use, but it's there. Gaethje blocks punches with his face. Can Barboza knock out Gaethje before the pressure of Gaethje gets to him? It's like minus 500 to end inside the distance. Now, DraftKings-wise, for me, to stack and cash, play both sides, Eileen Gaethje. But outside of the fight breakdown, Chris, how are you approaching it for DraftKings? Well, before I get to that, I have to. I, I just want to say one thing, which oh, is, which ahead. is, I well, no, because I think I have a secret, and I think my secret is that because everybody thinks that it's just pressure um, with Barbosa, and that's part of it. You know, get him tired, get him backing up, but most of the time to beat Barbosa, most of the time there's a wrestling component. Think about, um, think about uh, Habib. Think about what what um, Benil Dariush was doing. Think about Kevin Lee. Um, if you watch that uh, that uh, Ferguson fight back, um, Barbosa was actually doing really well when he was put on the back foot. He was countering well. He was doing great body work, which I think is really going to come into play here. Um, and and um, also, I would say that Gaethje's not quite a guy who's just going to run you r- run you down. He's going to back you up and and sort of work from there. But I don't think he's going to be like on his horse backing you up in the same way Habib or Tony Ferguson was. Okay, so having said that, I I my way to play this is basically the way everybody's playing it, I guess. Um, I think the stack is plenty live. I think they're they're both tough enough that there's not going to be any quick finishes here. So I think whoever wins, it's going to be a brutal, grueling war. So the stack is live, and basically any other way you want to play it is live, except the, for the fact that um, if you're just picking a winner, I like Barbosa here because. I just, I just think that he's way too hittable. I think that, um, you know, his game works to a certain extent, and it doesn't work anymore. Like you got to understand, like when we're talking about when we talk about Gaethje as a guy who always would get hurt and never got finished. Well, he wasn't facing the caliber of finishers that he is now. Now, now when he gets hurt in two of the three fights where he got really hurt, he got finished. So you can't bank on him just coming through those shots anymore. And the other thing you have to say is that. Eventually, his chin is just going to explode. It's going to happen. We don't know when. We can't say when, but eventually, it's going to happen. So, yeah, the stack is plenty live, but I'm taking Barbosa here. Joe. Yeah. So the way, first of all, wow, I agree with pretty much everything Chris just said. Um, yeah. I, the way to play this fight in DraftKings is to have 95% exposure to it. That's um, it. In, in mass entry GPPs, um, if it's not obvious, I happen to like Barbosa. I'm going to say Barbosa by body shot knockout. Um, in the third to fourth round, um, look, I, I I think you have to have a lot of exposure to this fight. Um, it pains me to say that I do feel that this fight is stackable in cash, but uh, it's not a secret. Um, I think it's essentially going to be a wash in cash, meaning that so many people are going to have this. It's going to come down to your other four fighters. So go ahead and stack it, but just realize it's probably not going to be meaningful to your lineup um, relative to outcome simply because... Um, everybody's going to have it, and it's going to come down to your other four fighters. So go ahead and stack it in cash, but you better make sure that you get your other four fighters in because everybody is going to stack this. So 95% exposure. I'm picking Barbosa to win by knockout. All right, guys, let's do some hot takes before we get out of here. My hot take, 
Gerald Mearshart by submission. Okay, my hot take. Josh Emmett um, wins inside the distance, plus 320. Josh Emmett by TKO, KO, plus 515. Um, bet it. I have a parlay hot take, if you, got, if you guys would like it. Sure. So I, I am – my hot take is uh, in this order, Moreau's wins, then Aguilar wins, then Marais wins. Wow. That is so, a, that's that, that's going to be a nice parlay. Yeah, put – Put anybody if you want. Put five bucks on that. Just you know, send me twenty percent or something. There you go. <laughs> Why don't you just get it anyway? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. We will have a, a week off. Hope you enjoyed. Please, if you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Follow all of us on Twitter. I won't read them again. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the violence on Saturday and enjoy the week off. We'll see you next time. Yep. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.